You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to the GFR show. I am truly grateful that you are here. And you will soon discover that this episode is going to have a theme of gratitude. Our guest, Laura Gisborne, is like a a gratitude professional or something. (laughs) She lives what she calls a lead life. She lives a lead life. And you will hear exactly what she means by that. Well, let me ask you a question to kick things off here. Do you consider yourself to be a grateful person? I know I have always thought of myself as a grateful person, and I loved how being with Laura helped me to look at that more closely. In fact, you'll see me get off on this whole conversation about practicing gratitude like deeper, more globally. And she shared this term with me, granular gratitude, granular gratitude. I love this. It really dropped it in for me in terms of a day-to-day practice. Not like, oh, I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for Bill. I'm grateful for my house. I'm grateful for my car. Like, like I am grateful for those other things, but I'm also grateful that I'm running late for this meeting. And I'm grateful that my pants ripped on my way to the this. And I'm grateful that we ran out of an ingredient when I was doing a recipe. Like the everyday things that are challenges that if we could really drop into being grateful for, there's there's a bigger opening on the other side. I know this, and I really appreciated that term, granular gratitude. So Laura is a pretty cool chick, y'all. She has had nine businesses, including a multi-million dollar wine and real estate empire. Her first one was when she was only 23 years old. She supports the public and nonprofit sectors. She is the CEO and founder of Limitless Women. Don't you love that name? And Limitless Women, not easy to say in this moment, but Limitless Women, the community has raised over $700,000 for charities. Through their initiatives, thousands of women and children are receiving regular contributions in multiple countries across five continents, including Habitat for Humanity, CASA, the New Peaks Foundation, really, really wonderful organizations. And you will soon learn from her story why it's so important for her to give back. She had a traumatic 
childhood, she characterized it as she was basically driven by fear her whole childhood. And that impacted her relationships and her marriage, how she parented, and was, of course, the epicenter for her evolution. And her GFR moment came when she fell asleep at the wheel while driving. And she will tell you, you know, what happened and, you know, how that was a facilitating factor and like a new chapter in her life. And it's a really impactful story. It really, really touched me. And you will see why I enjoyed spending time with her so much. She's, uh, she just, she's like peaceful. She like exudes peace and it's authentic. It's, it's not like rose colored glasses. It's really beautiful to, to see how she speaks about her childhood and challenges and moves through them. It's pretty awesome, actually. In fact, I spoke with her. We did like a connection call. So we've known each other for many years. She is from Southern California originally. And so we kind of like grew up in business kind of in and around networking and speaking, you know, around like in the West Coast. And then recently we discovered we had a mutual team member (laughs) and Audrey, shout out to Audrey, connected us. We had a connection call and I learned that she was going in for spinal surgery like the next week or something. And she was so chill about it. Like, so like, this is what's next. This is what, you know, I'm to do and it's God's plan and and all that. And then I found myself needing abdominal surgery a couple months later. And I drew upon her, her courage and her faith. And it was, it really, really served me. So I cannot wait for you to meet Miss Laura Gisborne. Laura, I'm so excited you're here. Finally, we did it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be with you. Welcome to the GFR show. Thank (laughs) you. I'm excited to see what we uncovered together today. Yes, me too. Me too. Mm -hmm. And y'all, you heard in my intro that I just am totally attracted to this woman's like, like beingness and you will absolutely feel it from her during our conversation and I just always feel like the guests are for me and also they drop in the divine right time for whoever's listening, whatever they're listening. So if you're new to the show, welcome everybody. And I'm really excited for you to get to know Laura as I'm going to get to know her better. So some of my guests I know really well, and I know like their GFR moment and all that. And some of my guests, I know as more like colleagues, but I don't really know their deep backstory. And so that's Laura falls into that category. And we've been around each other for a very long time, actually. Mm -hmm. And so, and some of my guests, I don't know at all, but that's more rare. So Laura, where would you like to start? When we look at your, you know, like the arc of where you are now, and I can't wait till we get to that part where people can really hear the amazing business model that you have and what you've accomplished on multiple levels and all that. You've had nine businesses and so much beautifulness, and it wasn't always that way. Correct. <laughs> they say. Yes. Yes. So, where do you feel like you want to start your story for us? Childhood, well, yeah. college, after gotcha. all that. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, childhood is childhood and we're all doing the best we can with what we are experiencing and we don't have context, right? Because we're babies, we're doing the best we can. So my normal as a child was one of a tremendous amount of fear, of a tremendous amount of 
trepidation. And yet there was something inside of me that kept pushing forward, right? There was something inside of me that kept knowing that if I could just do a little bit more, try a little harder. Now, part of that was driven by, I was told, I wish you weren't born, you ruined my life. You know, I wish you weren't here. So I was like, gosh, if I could just be good enough, I would yes. you know, win the approval of the people who gave birth to me. And I also know now that that has informed so much of my success in life, but it switched. And that's the part where I think we should start. It went from, I'm trying to be good enough for other people to recognizing the gifts that I have and using them in a more productive way, right? To really say, how do I take what I've been given and turn this into something more? Yes. Yeah. So what did it look like before the switch? So, you know, one of my intentions with the show is that people can really recognize themselves. And so when I say that to you, what do you feel like you're supposed to share about your childhood and what the experience of it was or the expression of it was before that switch was flipped. Yeah, it's so good, Lisa. I think the part that was the awareness is that there's there were women who saw me when I couldn't see myself. And I kept having these series of events. I was at work one day, I was working in a law firm as a receptionist, and my boss came to me. She was like, you know, superior, if you will, in the law office. And she said to me, we need to talk. And I said, okay. So she pulled me outside and she said, you can't keep coming to work with bruises on your face. You know, you're the front of the office. You're the person that people see when they come in the door. And I said, oh, Estrella, I thought I was in trouble. She's like, honey, you're in trouble. This is not okay. It's not normal. And I said, you know, it's no big deal. John and I just had a fight. And she proceeded to tell me, Lisa, about her journey with domestic violence. I think at this point, I grew up in a situation of violence constantly. So my relationship was very normal to me. And she helped me get counseling, right? That was kind of that first step, toe in the water. And then as, you know, at that point, I was 21 years old and I'm now 56. So we've got a lot of years in between there. But I just see that there's this been this beautiful gift of spiritual women, spiritual leaders, spiritual mamas, who've just reached out to me and said, you know, let me let you try on something different. And the more I followed that, Audrey and I were joking about this, I said, I feel like these are the angels on earth for me. You know, Estrella means star in Spanish, but to me, she was an angel. She was a person who said, here's a hand, let's try this differently. And, you know, as I look at the, the, the next 30 years plus, there's been so many women who have done that for me. It's really been an incredible blessing. What an amazing synchronicity that this person of authority in your life had ex- also experienced domestic violence and was able to say, like, this is no, this is this is not okay. You're not in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> this is, not, this is not okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're you're not in trouble with me, but yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Let's get some help. Yeah. So what happened after that, after she she did that for you? Well, I started going to counseling. You know, I, I kind of blew out my first counselor and she was like, I, I'm unqualified to deal with your past. And I was like, okay, well, thanks. And so, but she wow. was kind and got me connected to another person who was able to help me for many years. And then, you know, and that, and I think there was kind of those basic repatterning. I know you're a, a devoted mother and I am as well. I hadn't had that, right? So it was kind of relearning in psychology when I won. I was kind of relearning reparenting myself, my inner child. So there's several years of that. And then I thought I was good and I wasn't. 
I mean, it was good. It was way better, but there was more to learn, right? I, I really believe if you're alive and breathing, there's more, right? There's more, God has more for us. So I just keep having a deepening awareness of what's possible. And I get wake up calls, right? Which is kind of what we were going to talk about today about the car accident a few years ago. I thought, you know, my first big wake up call was the divorce I had with my first husband. Beautiful man, just such a kind, generous person. And I, I needed something different. You know, I needed to find myself. I was in my early thirties. I needed to find myself. So we divorced and that shook me to my core because everything I thought I had done right, I hadn't, you know, I mean, not everything, obviously, because I gave birth to two amazing humans that I did right. But in my relationship, I wasn't healthy. So started a new journey, right? So when you're like the moment, the wormhole and like, which one do you want? I give you the the most recent one. Yeah, I give the most recent one. But you know, I'm very aware of as I continue to grow and deepen my awareness, how how many gifts there are. You know, just so many gifts. Yes, mm-hmm. and you're not the first guest to say which which wormhole. Which one? <laughs> which, which <laughs> exactly. wormhole you I'm glad because I was like, which one don't you want? Yeah, that's good. Oh gosh, no. Yeah, and and it's it's really just a matter of sort of which path of the story are we going to take today? You know, Mm -hmm. and I have had more than one guest come back because there's, like you said, you know, as long as we're breathing, there's always more. Mm -hmm. And so, so the husband that you're referring to with a divorce was, it sounds like it was not the husband that you, or the, the person you were with when you were working at the law firm. No, no, No. (laughs) he was very loving, very nurturing, not, not, yeah, not an abuser in any way. Yes. And so, you said it shook you to your core. Also at the same time, acknowledging what a beautiful person he was and you had your kids. And so what do you think about it specifically was the thing that really shook you that obviously divorce is a loss. There's grief. There's a loss of a future. You know, there's, there's multiple layers in it that I think you know, we all kind of know. And it sounds like there might be something more for our listeners, for you to share around that relationship, because it's really freaking hard to leave a relationship when it's pretty good. Like it's really, really hard. Yeah. And when the other person's not doing anything wrong. Right. You know, I mean, I, you can make something wrong, you can create things that are wrong, but there's, you know, it wasn't really about him being wrong. It was about me not being really right with me. And at that moment, I'd say in those next few years, what came out of that discovery time was I had done an exercise. Lisa, it was a great exercise. I'd done an exercise in a personal development workshop of like, if time and money were no object, what would you be doing? (laughs) And what I had on my list blew me away. I mean, it's not going to blow anybody else away necessarily, but it just blew me away at the time. And it was... I would spend time hiking with my children. I would teach them to cook. It was all about the things I'd be doing with my kids if I had, you know, if, if I had financial freedom. And I thought, well, goodness, most of these things don't cost a thing. <laughs> You've got exactly the same 24 hours as everybody else, Laura. So what are you going to do with the time you have? And I was also very aware because now I was in, I had my children Monday through Friday. He had them on the weekends. He had them on holidays. You know, there were different things. I was very aware that I didn't have the same amount of time with them as a result of my choice. And it wasn't that I regretted my choice, but I was really aware to get it together. And I started to go deep on what I valued. And I started to see where would I spend this precious 24 hours that I have, just like everybody else. 
And how much of that was dedicated to work and how much of that was dedicated to relationship and what would those relationships look like and really created part of what we teach now in, in circle of life, you know, just kind of the domains of your personal values. And I can tell you from that time to today, I still wake every day and go through, I have seven of them. I go through the seven domains of my core values and give gratitude, you know, and just start my day with, thank you for the strong, healthy body. Thank you for the intimate sharing and the compassionate nurturing I have with my relationships with people everywhere, not just with my babies, right? I mean, I get to be connected with beautiful people like you. And, you know, it's just, it's humbling. That's the thing for me. I feel very humble at this point. Yes, yes. Gratitude is so powerful. And I feel like it's underrated and oversimplified. And, you know, recently I have been deepening my relationship with gratitude and I was trying to explain it to my daughter, Bella, because, you know, there is that, oh, you know, keep a gratitude journal and write three things you're grateful for, which is lovely. And I feel like there is a much deeper, more expansive gratitude way of being in my life that helps me not complain so much or be so impatient, (laughs) you know, or like whatever it is, you know, like Bella's just graduated from high school yesterday. Mm, Congratulations. Thanks. In the last week, we've had all kinds of award shows and banquets and all these things. And they're, you know, they kind of like a pain in the butt, you know, honestly. I've been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and (laughs) it's like when I can shift myself into just this sheer blessing of this person in my, this little person, (laughs) young adult in my life and, and, and all the, you know, just the privilege that I have to even be able to take off work to like go and do the thing. Like it just really getting down to those kinds of things Mm -hmm. completely shifts everything. So I, yeah, I've heard it referred to as granular gratitude, granular. Yeah. And and the way it kind of shows up for me in my life, Lisa, is similar to, how do I be more present each day to recognize those gifts in every moment, right? Bella graduating, Bella's parties, Bella's awards ceremonies, you know, you'll never get those days or that exact time back in that same form. There'll be other beautiful experiences in the future, but how precious it is. Like, can we capture those, you know, here's an old line. Can we capture those Kodak moments in the moment, right? So that we can have that to really reference back to in our memories. You know, I think that's such a gift. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, for sure. I don't know if we answered the question about why it shook you, why your divorce shook you so deeply. Mm, okay. I, think I got off on a tangent. <laughs> no, it's so, well, it's so great, right? I mean, I just, I'm, I'm loving being with you. Thank you. Especially, it's you know, I'm a Leo, so it's like it's so happy. You're all about me. I mean, how fun is this for me, right? Just <laughs> talk about me, my favorite subject. Where it shook me is that I feel like I had come from a place of so much dysfunction and violence and and no and, and deep self-loathing. At the time I was in my domestic violence relationship, I was also severely anorexic, which I didn't recognize until I woke up one day on the floor of a bathroom and I hadn't eaten for three days. Wow. And I thought, you know, how much do we not love ourselves to not even nourish our bodies, right? So 
to go from there to where I was with my husband, who was a healthy, nice, nurturing guy. I knew when I met him, I was like, this is the guy I want to be the father of my children. Mm. And I can tell you that knowing, which is going to come back to the commandments, number seven, even as a young woman, that knowing was so powerful that I knew he would be an amazing father. And he has been. He's been an incredible father. That part was right. What I didn't know as a young woman to ask for is what did I want for me? You know, I wanted to parent so well. I was like in parent education classes when my son was eight weeks old, you know, it was like, I just really Mm -hmm. want to do this better. And I, and I felt like I had messed it up. So it was something that was so important to me. I, I thought it defined me as a success to be a great mom. And I realized after the divorce took many years that I am a great mom. I really have done a beautiful job. My, my adult children are amazing people. My son just got accepted to medical school after three years of applying. And my daughter has an incredible job. She said to me last night, I was thinking about this when you're talking about Bella, but she said to me last night, she's like, mom, I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging up now. It was on the phone for like an hour. And she's like, okay, I love you. I love you. I'm like, well, I'm going to be on a cruise for 11 days. I won't be able to call you. She's like, you can WhatsApp me. It's okay. She's like, I'm going to miss your voice. You know, I, I, we talk every day, just about every day. And it's like to have that relationship with her as an adult, she's 27. The fact that she chooses to be my friend is just incredible. You know, yes. really incredible. Yeah. So I think the divorce was a big wake up call. And it helped me move into what do I value and how do I be more present with that as a daily practice, which is why I start my day with, you know, kind of my circle of life of what is it that I value? What am I giving gratitude to God for? Thank you again for this. Thank you for this opportunity. And it's, you know, like, thank you for the parking place. Thank you that the doctor had this appointment open today. Thank you that my technology worked. I mean, there's really like... And there's so many places. It, it, it's, it, 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 yeah, I'm going to go there. It's limitless. You know, it really is limitless. There's limitless opportunities to be aware of what's available and choose, right? I, I had a friend here recently who, who I love dearly, who, who I've known since my early days, like the time in college when I was in an abusive relationship. And we've stayed friends many, you know, obviously many years. She's probably the only friend. She, she is. She's the only friend I have from that time. And her husband was recently sharing a dinner. They were here visiting. And he said, you know, I used to be like you, very optimistic, very, very this. And he said, now I'm a realist. Mm. And I thought, wow, your reality is your reality. Now, I know because of the work that I do with philanthropy that we are not in the United States, most of us in survival mode. Right. So something is happening in our psychology where we create a lot of drama, we create problems for ourselves, but we're not out trying to find sufficiency. We're not out walking miles to get water so we can bring it back and boil it. We're not hoping to have one meal a day for our children. Right. So what happens in the mind is interesting because somewhere there's a memory of I have to survive. I don't want that reality for anybody that I know. You know, I know that it is the reality for many people in the world, but the people that I'm with, I want them to know that because they have come through most of them and are on the other side, the next opportunity is in giving. Yes. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So there is a professional businesswoman, successful businesswoman that's going in parallel with this woman who is moving through the divorce and who is realizing she picked a great dad for her kids, but not, you know, a life partner for her. 
So what is happening in your professional life? Because I know that you've had multiple businesses and I think the entrepreneurs listening will appreciate hearing that as well. And I, of course, in my work with Unmentor, it is a holistic view. It is mm-hmm. a acknowledgement that there is no separation <laughs> between like the personal journey and the professional journey. So where were you in your professional journey in this transition time of post-divorce and kind of like really looking at your values and, and, and prioritizing those things? Yeah, I think I was very egoic at that time, you know, more, I'm teasing about being a Leo. No, obviously I'm still egoic, but I was really egoic at that point and self-absorbed. And so I think that that's another evolution, if you will, in life. And I, my first husband and I had had, had owned restaurants. We'd owned three restaurants and we'd sold those and which had us moved to Arizona from Texas. And I got into real estate and I started doing real estate sales and I was really good at it and it was very successful. And you know, I thought I was hot stuff. I think that that's part of the problem. <laughs> I was just part, I thought I was hot stuff, right? I, I love that, that nobody's ever asked me these questions, Lisa. Thank you. You know, I lost sight of what matters, which is why I came back to really crafting that next season of life, which has been 30 years around what matters, you know, structuring my time very carefully and structuring my relationships and my environment and my choices in a whole different way after that wake up call. And in business. So I was doing real estate sales. And then about, we think Scott and I got married. My current husband and I have been married 23 years. We got married 10 weeks after our first date. Our first date was October 15th. We got married January 1st, 2000. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, 23 years. So much fun. Well, it's, you know, everybody likes the 10 week debt you know, date thing. And I, I have these cute pictures of us because we looked very different. Then. We And we got engaged after three months. So yeah, I was, we didn't yeah. get married after yeah. 10 weeks, but we got engaged and we were 23 at the time. So You're, that was yeah. super quick and crazy. Yeah, so sweet. Quote, well, unquote, crazy. <laughs> well, you know, I think, again, one of the greatest blessings in my life is having relationships with people who are growing concurrently, I think is the right word, right? So they're growing in their way. I'm growing in my way. And it doesn't mean we grow apart necessarily. There's a lot of space and spaciousness for each other's journey. You know, there's a, there's a place of just acknowledgement that's required for a relationship. I believe that stays together for multiple decades, you know, and I didn't know that in my first marriage and I didn't know that. So I know I've learned, I've learned something new. Yes. Yeah. And so what did you mean when you said 10 weeks, when I said, that's great. And you said, I'm not sure or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, since we started this conversation on psychology and what's healthy in psychology, I wouldn't say that Scott and I, Scott is my husband, that Scott and I were probably the most healthy psychologically at that point. We'd both been married before. We both brought a lot of baggage from our childhood. I had a lot of unresolved stuff that I hadn't looked at. I thought I had it all figured out, right? I mean, I thought I knew everything at 18. At 30, I thought I knew most everything. I can tell you at 56, I don't think I know anything. You know, it is like, <laughs> the older I get, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know anything. I just love to keep reading and learning. So we were immediately in therapy. You know, we were at, at the three month mark. I can tell you, our therapist said to us, I've never met newlyweds who are closer to divorce. And yeah, swear. And this is the GFR show, right? So let's tell yes. them here, right? So she said, I highly encourage you to go to Landmark Forum. And I don't know if you've ever attended Landmark yes, Education. I haven't was, attended it, but 
it's such a game very much in us. my orbit. <laughs> uh, I know, I know it is because I know we have, we have mutual friends who, have, who are like, what are they? Land Martians. I don't know what they call us, right? So we went to the forum, which is a, a three-day event, and we went in to work on our relationship. And we walked in the door, and they immediately separated us, yeah. which was the most important thing they could have possibly done. And then we really got real about some stuff. And I feel like that weekend, I'll call it a weekend, brought us back to our relationship with a whole new awareness and choosing and possibility and all kinds of great stuff that comes out of it. And I don't think we'd be married today if we hadn't gone. I mean, I'm pretty sure our therapist was right. We were on our way out. So that's why I say 10 weeks, you know, maybe a good choice, maybe not a good choice. I knew this goes back to the commandment number seven, right? Of trusting your knowing, trusting your intuition. I knew that if I didn't dive into the deep end of the ocean with this man, I wouldn't make it. I knew I had to go all in and, mm. you know, he did too. So here we that's are. amazing. That's everything really. Cause you know, my husband and I last Monday were married 28 years and I'd say we have had two to three, no, I'll say three, like crossroads decision point type, mm-hmm. you know, places in our relationship. Absolutely. And we are together because we're, committed to doing our own work and then our couple work and that's it like that right it's not because I married the perfect person I mean yeah yeah, it's not because he was perfect either of us were perfect when we got married at 23 I feel like it, it and and I totally resonate with what you shared about kind of like you didn't say these words, but my my words are like giving each other a wide berth for our evolution, you know, and letting, 100%. you know, you know, each person kind of have their journey and committing to doing the work for the relationship. I feel like that's it. Well, that's it depends it. on, I think it also depends on how long you're in with one person, right? Like choosing that. So yes. I was in, in my early days, I met, it was doing probably during the divorce time with Peter. I remember this couple that I met that were elderly. They were so cute and they've been together forever. And they said to me, you know, love is a verb. It's not a noun. And I said, hmm. and it's one of those things, you know, when somebody says something to you, you pause, it sticks in your head. We, like you, have had many times, you know, during the years that we've had to kind of circle back around and re-choose and choose to love each other and, you know, renew our vows. We've renewed our vows three times. And, you know, there's seasons of life if you're going to stay with somebody for a long time, right? So there've been seasons where, where Scott's had to make some choices about things that I've said, I'm doing this and it's really important to me and my soul will not let me not do it. And also respecting what makes him tick. You know, I was putting up today is all these awards. He's, he's really this fantastic sales broker and he's at the top of his industry and we've lived separately for the last year and a half. You know, we've seen each other every two weeks or something like that, but but I never saw that as the structure of my marriage. You know, thankfully, goodness, he's here, he's retired, we're done. But he had a project that was so important to him and it wasn't healthy for me to live in Colorado anymore. It's part of having the car accident and really getting the awareness of like living there was really taking me out. And I came here, you know, but we stayed together through it. And there's something that's very beautiful. And and I think this works in business and in personal relationships, the depth of experience that you have with someone when you have the context of history with each other is really, it's pretty divine. Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I I love hearing the 
creative nature in which you are doing your relationship, because I feel like there isn't enough talk about, I'm going to say unconventional, but it's only because these things aren't talked about that it makes them unconventional when they're really not unconventional. Like the simple as like not sleeping in the same bed. as Exactly. Exactly. That's literally where I was going to go. I mean, that's, we, we've had separate bedrooms for a long time. And part of that is because I have severe obstructive apnea. So that's been one. I've had four surgeries since September. It's been a crazy couple of years for me since the car accident. But I can tell you that, you know, again, that doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. It doesn't mean that we don't have an amazing sex life. It doesn't mean, right. that, it doesn't mean anything. that we aren't intimate, right? It just means that sometimes you need to get some sleep, right? So <laughs> there's that thing, you know, as you grow and just really choosing what matters, you know, what, yes. what's your love language, what turns you on and uh, who do you want to play with? You know, I love being married to my playmate. It's such a gift. He's an amazing business partner. He's an amazing co-parent. And man, as our babies have grown up, it's like, I cannot wait to go travel with this guy and go play. We have so much fun when we do that. We haven't done that since 2019. So it's exciting. So you're going on your cruise. You leave we today. Are. We leave today. <laughs> Scott's Norwegian by, by heritage. And so we're heading to Norway this evening. And we haven't, we've ever been. And then we're going to, do you know the band Simply Red? You heard of Simply no. Red? If you don't know me by now. Oh yeah. Yeah. You will. Everybody knows that song, right? So yeah. not everybody, but most people know that song. So he loves that band. It's one of his favorites. And they have a show on PBS where they're playing in an outdoor amphitheater, but you don't really know where it is. Right. And he watches it. He's like an old guy. He loves to watch regular TV. Right. So he's watching regular <laughs> TV and he watches PBS and he's seen it. every time it comes on, he's like, Oh, come watch it with me. He loves it so much. So for Christmas, I got him tickets to see Simply Red in Croatia. Oh my God. At the Pula amphitheater. So we're going there in a few days. That's so we'll amazing. Our cruise, we'll fly to Croatia and then we will see Simply Red outdoors in the only amphitheater in the world that has all four sides. It's very cool. So exciting. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So, you know, we, we play that. well. We play well. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the car accident. So okay. give us a little bit of what life was looking like, you know, prior to it. And, you know, and then we can kind of go through yeah. it to after. I think again, like, man, there was so almost like when I was telling you the story about going to work with bruises on my face or waking up on the floor of a bathroom, like I had just, my normal was that we never started our events before 10 a.m. I never took phone calls before 1 p.m. Scott would get up in the morning, he'd come and kiss me, blah, blah, blah. I would go back to sleep usually for several hours. I had this whole system around needing to be in bed 12 hours a day, but I just didn't know, I didn't recognize that it had grown to that. And then when I would get up, I would be, in, I would be like a little crotchety old lady. I'm teasing Scott about being an old man, but I was like a little, little old lady. My kids knew not to talk to me. Like, you know, it would take me a couple of hours and I would get up and I would go to yoga and I'd stretch and I'd do what I could do. And then I'd get it with my day. And then, you know, that was my routine. That's basically, I was trying to think about the, where's the GFR in this car accident? What was I not aware of that I yeah. was living, you know, settling for like, because on the really surface, happened. when you first started describing it, I was like, that sounds great. You have great health, <laughs> you do your morning routine. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I think as I understand health and sleeping, there's a fantastic book I think everybody should read called Why We Sleep. It's really the best book I've read I in 10 I years. I that book, actually. <laughs> well, you know, I read voraciously. I read like two to four books a week. So when I say it's the best I've read in 10 years, it was a game changer. So what happened is that I, Scott came home early from work. We had a little like love fest. And then 
I was like, okay, I'm going to go to yoga. Afternoon was the day after Christmas, December 26th. And we celebrate our holidays with our babies younger, like earlier in the year, right? So we we always have Christmas in the beginning of the December so that they can go do their own family and their in-laws and all that stuff. So it was just the two of us at home. I got in the car. I lived at the time about six minutes from my office to the mat. You know, I knew that because I pretty avid yogi almost every day. And so I got in the car, I drove down the driveway, pulled out to where I would turn, you know, on the highway. This is basically four lanes going 60 miles an hour. And I pulled right into traffic head on. And yeah, yeah. And I don't remember the impact. You know, my, my mind doesn't remember that. I woke up, the car was full of smoke, all the airbags had deployed, and someone was pulling me out of the car. And you know, he's like, are you okay? Are you, you know, I was a little delirious, obviously it hit my head. And, and, and so they got me out of the car. The sheriff came, we lived in Breckenridge at the time. And, you know, we, they were great. They were on it. And the day after Christmas, God bless all those people because they were trying to get home after the holiday or go ski. And I totally screwed up their afternoon, but, you know, they moved just quickly. And the sheriff said to me, you know, I called Scott and he was like, I, I was like, I just had an accident. He's like, it's not possible. You literally just left here like three minutes ago. I'm like, yeah. I, yeah, I need you. So he came right out. The sheriff said to me, he said, I have no idea why you're alive. He said, when I have this scenario as a first responder, you know, I'm trained to be doing CPR at this point with this set of circumstances, with cars at this speed, at this time, da, 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 da. So you know, fast forward, I'll say that that prompted a lot of testing, a lot of medical testing, and really all through uh, 2021. And it was time for me to decide, like, did, was I going to stay there and deal with what I needed to deal with, or I was going to go somewhere else? We were building a house in Mexico at the time. I didn't feel confident in my ability to communicate in Spanish. I speak Spanish, but not well enough to be an advocate for myself. So I said to Scott, we need to put our residency somewhere in the U.S., and I said, I'm having a feeling that like Jake's going to probably end up in Texas. He's applying to schools all over. I said, I have a feeling Jake's going to end up in Texas. I think I want to go back and visit Texas. Scott's like, okay, I love Texas. Let's do that. So we came here and then, you know, 2022 was getting ready for what I needed to do for my body. You know, they wanted me to go in for spinal fusion surgery and I, and, and take three months, be in a brace basically for three months, you know, and I said, I, I can't do that right now. I said, I just have to keep pushing through. I said, I can, (laughs) he's like, we could fit you in here. I was like, no, 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 I can fit you in, in November. Because I looked at my life. I looked at my flow. I looked at like my, my family and when they could accommodate, you know, helping me, taking care of me. And I knew if I, if I had to take three months off, it was going to be November, December, and January. And, you know, that's just a time that we normally have quiet business and, you know, people are available because of holidays and stuff. So yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I've been. Okay. So, so I want to, I want to rewind just a little bit sure. to fill in to a couple pieces. So, so you pulled into traffic, oncoming traffic, and you had shared with me in our interview prep that you fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah. So how did they even discover that? How did you figure so, that out? Yeah. So amazing. So they, what, you know, I had a lot of things going on with my heart at that time. You know, I, I was having heart palpitations and my thyroid was out of whack and it was gaining weight and, you know, things. And so those are all symptoms of sleep apnea. And then of course we were sleeping instead of separate bedrooms. So I had a good physician who said, you know, have you ever had a sleep study? And I said, I have not. She said, I'd like you to do that. And 
they, I, I went to sleep for three hours and they came and woke me up and tried to put oxygen on me and said, you know, you're not breathing. And I said, well, <laughs> I feel like I'm breathing, I'm asleep. So what they determined is that I stopped breathing 55 times an hour. And I don't even know how I breathe if I'm not breathing, you know what I mean? But the, yeah. <laughs> almost every, the numbers don't even make sense. 60 to me. minutes so in an hour, it's, 55 it's times severe. It's extremely severe. Right? Wow. It's extremely severe. And there's variations, right? There's variations on the thing that people have. So and that's why you were, couldn't get out of bed till 10. Exactly. And all, exactly. I mean, sleep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. connecting You're all the dots together. and I'm, well, I'm, yes. Again, thank you, Lord. There was one more thing I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I'm running around teaching women about self-care. I'm saying to them, you have to sleep. You have to have movement. You've got to, you know, have your good fuel. I'm running around teaching people and looking great, you know, looking fit and feeling good. It is as good as I knew, probably because I'm in this granular gratitude. I'm running around high all the time. I'm just so happy with life, right? So not aware that my, my sweet body that I was giving thanks for every day was shutting down. And when my heart started doing stuff, my, my brother... I have one brother and he is five years younger than me. And so when he was 48, he had a heart attack. And so that's not a normal time for somebody to have a heart attack. So when my heart started doing stuff, while they were doing all this testing, you know, I was on a heart monitor for 30 days. I mean, I could go on about it. And it's interesting because when you were asking me about the wormhole and the, you know, the incident, I was like, hmm, where were all the things I was not being real about? You know, yeah. where were the things I was not aware of? And I'm feeling like I practice presence every day and meditation and, you know, and it is what I teach. It was interesting for me to have a whole new level of where I wasn't being real. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing this. And yeah, it is, I relate to this so much. What happened to me in 2020, end of 2020, was that, you know, and I'm, host of the GFR show. (laughs) I mean, I can like repeat what you said in terms of like, we hold space for other people to live their best life and Mm -hmm. fall, you know, do work they love and follow their intuition. And, and I'm pretty real. And, and I find my purpose is to be transparent with my journey. And, and then I was really gobsmacked at the end of 2020, realizing that I still, after all of my work with my relationship with food and my body, mm-hmm. that I still had self-loathing and internalized fat phobia and that I needed to stop fucking controlling my body and feed it when it was hungry mm-hmm. and, and allow my body to do what it was going to do and to be on, go on the journey of unraveling that fat phobia and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels different than your journey, but feels similar in it's like profoundness of somebody who is a leader of leaders, you know, is a mentor of mentors. Mm -hmm. And then like realizing like, fuck, there's like a (laughs) whole nother, right. Whole nother, like, like spiral, spiral has been revealed, you know, like we're upward spiral upward spiral oh yeah so really good. This is, and then there's like some some oh, wait, like sky more. opens up and we yeah. see that there's like a whole you whole know level. another skyscraper yeah. level of spiral and i know for me it's just covid was going on and my mom was in her yes, last year that. and a half of yes, life so which precious. i didn't realize and you know all of that was this yeah. enormous crucible for transformation mm-hmm. and yeah and one that's needed for me to do the work that I'm doing and for you 
you know, so I just applaud you for just, you you know, like, it's really humbling. It's really, Mm -hmm. really humbling. Like I remember looking at my thighs on the freaking video. I was like in a retreat and I had set up my video so I could mm-hmm. be on my Chase Lounge. Right, right. I was like completely distracted by my thighs. Oh. And, and it was completely unconscious. And the, something happened that night. I was doing some journaling and I was like, holy shit. I spent like most of the day looking at my goddamn thigh. Mm-hmm. Like that oh is not God. okay. Like that is yeah. not who I want to be. That is, that's not no- the normal that I want to be is not that. Yeah even though that is very normal. Well, I think, you know, what I will say to you is, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing that because what looks a certain way is is not always what's going on, right? You know, I was severely anorexic. There's a flip side of that coin, which is called everybody applauds. You know, yeah, there's a whole other thing going on with body image. And I'm just going to hold you in my prayers for a really graceful journey as you're learning about how to love yourself in a new way. You know, I think Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, was one of the most powerful books I've ever read. Somebody handed me that book at the same time I was in my first counseling session, right? Another friend, another roommate had handed me that book. And it was, again, a game changer for me. And I think Audrey and I were just talking about this, about a woman that I heard recently talk about being in menopause and how she was hating her body for getting heavier and like fighting with her hormones and it wasn't working, blah, blah, blah. And then she read that, you know, who knows where this comes from, in the evolution of human beings, that women would put on weight as they would come into this new season of life because our bones become more frail. Mm. So things like osteoporosis, we're much more apt to break a bone as we move into our mature season of life. So our body's natural ability to put on weight as a protection mechanism is a beautiful gift, right? So it's just like this whole idea of a different perspective of what's beautiful, what matters, you know? I mean, again, it's just such a journey for all of us. Yes, it is yeah. such a journey. It is it such is. a journey. Yeah. And I was going to mention my episode where if you're wanting to hear more about my journey, it's episode 85 called okay. Fuck Dieting. It's my episode yeah. for Good. you and for the audience. And, Thank you, I'll look that up. And I want to let everyone know, Audrey is a mutual Audrey is the guest manager for my show and also supports Laura. So we have this like fun connection with Audrey. So, so, okay. So you have the car accident. It, and it sounds like there was no immediate like hospitalization, like critical thing. It's just, it not just, but it was a catalyst for investigating things further and figuring out, you know, why you fell asleep and, you know, all this stuff. And like who and, does that, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And that's just, you know, so, so courageous. So, so in this last segment, like bring me to the cascade of things that happened from that wake up call that then sort of that not sort of, but leads you to where you are now in your yeah. business and in your life. Yeah. So what I'll say is that I'm going to put a pin in that and go back just a little okay, bit, if I may. Great, so yes. the book, when I wrote the book, Stop the Spinning, which was published in 2012, I went to an author's forum and it's, you know, it's the first time I wrote a book. I didn't really know much about the whole shebang, if you will. And it was on a panel and there was, a, and we were in Tucson, Arizona, and there was a woman in the back of the room who raised her hand and she said, I have a question for Laura. 
I said, well, thank you. How can I help? She said, you're up here so generously telling us what a book can do for our business, what it can do for our life, blah, blah, blah. She said, I just have a curiosity about what writing your book did for you. Hmm. And it was like, you know, those moments where like the sky opened and the light came down, oh, the angels were singing. It was so bizarre, Lisa. And I just said, I realized in writing my book that I had never been alone. Then in my darkest days, in my hardest times, when I was standing in a bathroom and my boyfriend was wrapping his fist in a towel saying, you've got to be lucky. I love you so much that I don't break your nose. You wow. mean crazy things that are like movie pieces, right? Yeah. I always came through. And so I knew that there was a knowing for me then that God had a plan for my life, that I had moved away from my faith in a lot of ways. And yet... When Scott and I got married, Erica was three years old. And she said to him, she said, you know, my mom is Jewish, right? And Scott said, you know, honey, I just married your mom. I'm pretty sure she's not Jewish. And she's like, yes, she's half Jewish, <laughs> half Christian and half Buddha. And so they grew up in Sedona, which is, you know, kind of the center of the new age. And they grew up in this very law of attraction kind of environment and their father is Jewish. And so they went to Jewish family camp every year and celebrated Seder. And so they, they had this kind of, and then we celebrated Christmas because everybody's Christian on Christmas. Right. Right. And so there's a whole idea of God was with us, but it showed up in different forms. Right. So what happened after the accident to answer your question is that I was very aware. And I remember talking to a friend of mine and I said, I'm very aware that God has a message for me in this. I'm not sure what it is yet. And I knew that if I would be still and if I would follow the next steps that I was being led to, I would be, you know, I feel like I have all these veils, right? Like it's almost like a sheer curtain and there's like 50 of them. So it looks opaque, but I feel like God removes the veils as I'm ready, right? Like it's as I'm ready, more light shines through and then I start to see shapes and I start to know, but it requires presence, right? It requires paying attention. And I was having lunch with a girlfriend and she said, you know, when you talk about God and the universe and source, it waters it all down for me. She said, when you say to me, every day I pray to lead a lead life, I know that I want to know more. And that's where I've been led, if you will, at this point, is what does it look like to walk in faith? And that's actually the third chapter of my first book is called Walking in Faith. The fourth chapter is Embracing Synchronicity, because I feel like that's how God speaks to us. I feel like we pray, we yes. meditate, we get present, we're like, okay, show me. And then it is presented to us if it's for us. If it's not for us, that's okay. And then sometimes it gets presented a bunch and we doubt it and we do all the stuff we do and it goes for somebody else, you know? I mean, there's no lack of anything. So this whole awareness of today, how do I bring more of my conversation around faith? I believe that God is for everyone. I don't believe that it's a one size fits all, I feel like we have our own understanding of the divine. And I feel like that small, still voice is one of the ways God speaks to us. We host an event every year called Flow. And my goal is for women to stop struggling. Business is not that complicated. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm not trying to be mean about it because I know it's hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. You know, there's ways to have that be in flow. And I believe that another way God speaks to us is peace. When we're in peace, when things are coming to us quickly and gracefully, I feel like we're on track with where we're meant to be in our in our own soul's journey. When we are struggling and trying to push and make things happen, 
it's not what he would have for us. And I refer to him as he, because that's how I see God. But I think it's interesting that when people are hungry for more, often it's right there. You know, I feel like God has always been with me. I haven't always remembered to appreciate that. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know the lead life or living a lead, is that right? Did I say that right? Lead life. life. Mm -hmm. When we talked, I don't know when we talked a year ago or something. I was totally attracted to that as well. I just love that. I love that. And it's, I feel like words and marketing and it does drop in, in a way that the people that we're supposed to help need to hear it. So I, yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so you, you did have the surgery on your back. Yeah. I've had four surgeries, a knee surgery. I had two spinal surgeries and then I had recently inspired, which is like, I'm going to show you, I've got this little scar here, where they put in basically a pacemaker in my chest and, and it ha- I have a wire that goes up. This was the scariest one for me because there's a wire in my throat. And, you know, as a person who speaks a lot, not that my voice is more important than other people, but I think it is sometimes, right? Yes. So it's part of like <laughs> losing my voice. It's attached to my tongue. Yeah. That one freaked me out. The spinal wow. thing was scary, but this one was really scary. So Yeah. So I've just been on a journey. I feel like I'm bionic now. And if anybody's old enough to remember the $6 million man, yes, (laughs) Steve Austin, I live in Austin, right? We have the technology. We can rebuild him, make him faster, stronger power. (laughs) So, you know, I'm like, you know, I've got a computer on my chest. I've got all this metal in my body, but I think it's, it's for the grace of God that I'm at this time in this world, right? The surgeries that I had are not things that my grandmother could have. Right. I remember her. She's passed away and I miss her. But she, I remember her every time we talked on the phone telling me, I was like, how are you doing? She's like, my back hurts so bad. I have severe, severe spinal disease and I don't own it. You know, I mean, here's a get, get GFR moment. I'm sitting in the spinal surgeon's office and I said, you know, I think that's somebody else's x-ray. I think you got the wrong one. <laughs> it's like, and he shows me, I, I see it from a different angle. I was like, I have breast implants. So I was like, oh, those are my boobs. I recognize those boobs, right? So it's just kind of funny. He's like, no, this is you. This is what's happening in your spine yeah. from the top of your head all the way to your tailbone. This is what we can fix. This is what we can't. And these are the next steps. And I'm like, okay, let me get my head on straight to really allow myself to receive the support I need to heal. Yes. Thank you so much for being so candid about all of your bionic parts. <laughs> and um, my breast implants. <laughs> yeah, and I just, it's beautiful. It's everything. It's all mm, good and all wonderful. Love. And I remember that we spoke a few months before I had my surgery in December. Yes, and I remember yes. you were so oh. like, this is what I'm doing. And I think I even texted you this. Yes, I you just, did text me. Thank because you. Because I was had so much fear around it. And, I, you know, and my mom had just died in a hospital, you know, not so that long. Hard. You know, there's there was Tiny. baggage and healing I needed to do and that I did before I went to the hospital. Good. And but I just remember how you held your surgery. You were just like, this is what's needed. I'm just, this is what I'm going to do. And it just the way, I can't even remember what you said, but it was the energy that you held it with that definitely impacted me. And, mm. and I created a shame story around this particular surgery. And because, and I related it to my weight, which mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be related to my weight, but I had a whole, you know, it's, it's amazing how we create shame for ourselves. And And so for anyone listening that has anything going on with your body and you're feeling any kind of shame or blaming yourself or whatever, like I invite you to just, ah, just shift your narrative and allow it to just be what it is. And 
become bionic in whatever way. <laughs> I got hearing aids recently and I call oh, them my like bionic is. ears. And I so love I, I, I love that it. you said bionic because it, yeah. it is, it's like the way I have bionic ears. I can hook up to any electronic device at any time and I can turn <laughs> so you cool. down. I can turn you up. Yes. I can. So cool. And so, yes. Yeah, so for whoever's listening that needs to hear that, I know that I'm saying it to myself as well as mm-hmm. you, Laura, and, and our listeners that we, we do what we need to do to take care of this vessel so that we can love and bring the message. Yeah. Yeah. So final thoughts from Laura Gisborne. Final thought. I know that what happens that causes a struggle often is that there's been messages that you've heard, that I've heard, that many of us have heard that we're not enough. You know, if we could just be more, do more, have more, blah, 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 right? And that feels for me like a consciousness that lives that's really about poverty. It's about scarcity. I want everyone to know who's listening to this that you are perfect the way you are. You're just the way that God made you and that you're on your journey. And the more you learn to love and accept yourself, the more you learn to embrace opportunities and allow yourself to be supported the more that's available for you. And it doesn't have to be so hard. That's what I'm here to say. I'm not trying to be Pollyanna. I get that bad shit happens. I get it. And if you're alive and breathing, God's not done with you. There's another day for you. So please embrace that day and recognize the gifts that you are Mm -hmm. being bestowed with. Love it. Yum. Thank Thank you you. so much, Laura. This is amazing. I told you, don't you feel like more chill, (laughs) more like at peace, just being in her like audible presence. So you want to grab her book, Stop the Spinning, Move from Surviving to Thriving. There is a link in the show notes for getting a free copy of it. What's so cool about this book is she wrote it in 2012. So I feel like surviving and thriving is sort of like this catchy phrase now, but she was one of the originators of that whole concept. And it's a timeless book. It's a powerful book. So grab your free copy. Also, she wanted me to let you know that her favorite GFR commandment is number seven. You probably would have guessed that. Trust yourself, trust your gut. And she said, every time I've trusted my small inner voice, I have been guided to the next best steps for me. If you have not gotten your copy of the 12 Get Fucking Real Commandments, which I call the Roadmap for Getting Real, you want to grab your copy. Go to the link in the show notes or go to gfr.life forward slash 12C. You will love them. It's full, beautiful color, 12, it's not 12 steps, it's 12 commandments. (laughs) And I'll guide you through how to use this amazing tool. So grab your copy and also make sure you subscribe or follow the show wherever you are listening right now. Subscribe and follow the show because every single one of these episodes is intended to be inspiring, thought-provoking, and help you know that you are so freaking normal on your path of serving the world however you feel called to serve it from whatever path you came from. Over and out for now.